the obstacle is the way. Not only is this a short fortune cookie sized bit of stoicism and an odd collection of words, but it's a book by Ryan Holiday that is widely read by pro athletes and coaches alike and leverages the stoic philosophies of Marcus Aurelius and says in modern terms what he meant by the impediment to action advances action. Really, it's just saying that what stands in your way becomes the way. And what stands in the way for the abs right now is a slew of injuries, seemingly one or two per game right now, which has us on pace to be playing the entire Eagles roster as a pro lineup by the time this year ends. Jokes, people. These are jokes. When bad things happen, you have choices. Big Z took a puck to the face that broke his jaw and had him in surgery the very next day. Yet we're likely to see him again in a week or two because he's a hockey player. That's how they do things. So what choice exactly does this give us? Well, none for us actually, but for Z, it's a chance to play a different game, to change his lens on the game, develop a new set of on-ice skills that rely more on position and less on physical play. To not even be thinking hit first, but more about using that big large frame of his to fill space and to own the gap. It's not something that I would wish on him, but if he's gonna don a face mask and play the game, this would be a great time to explore another part of his game and work on it, and that is everything I mentioned other than destroy people, which is my favorite. As soon as he can destroy people again, he should destroy people. But until then, here's an opportunity for Z to play a different game, to use the big body for things other than killing people. It hurts me a little bit to say it. Another guy whose head isn't exactly working like it used to is Pavel Fransos. So let's be really clear about this. Fransos got run over, no doubt about it. It was hard, it was vicious, but the player that ran him over got a little bit of help from one of our players as well. And this is a gray area and one where you have to think that he wasn't actually trying to destroy the goalie, he just wasn't trying to exactly get out of the way either. I'm a little surprised that this didn't bring a little bit of physical action later on from the Avs by the way of punches to the face, but the Avs won the game and I think that's really what's important. But it set up was a storyline that nobody saw coming, and that's Adam Werner. Adam Werner's impediment to action was that he was a third string goalie. He wasn't even on the roster until we had one goalie go down and then another goalie go down. And next thing you know, we've got our third string goalie in net. He wasn't ready for this. He didn't prepare for this. He prepared to sit on the bench, open the door, slap dudes on the butt as they went by between periods. That's what they do. So for him to get out on the ice that way, I think is probably the best way to play your first NHL game. And he was great. He was wonderful. He didn't overthink anything because he didn't have time to. He stopped all the pucks, he made all the moves, he was fast like a ninja and big like a giant. He was everything that you would want in a starter as a third string goalie coming in. Now I know that Gruby is practicing at this point and I think they're going to be really cautious with him. We may see Warner in the net again and if we do, I'd be really curious to see how he approaches the game with plenty of time to think it over. You never know how that's going to affect a guy. But I have a hunch that he is that quality of insanity that every goalie should be. And for me, that's a great thing to see because it means we may actually have this weird thing called a goaltender pipeline, aka depth and net. But one more caveat, it's one game, it could be a fluke, we don't know. For now, I'm gonna assume that he's the goods, and hopefully we get to see in the next game. And because I said the word depth, that equals a transition and a segue, so let's talk a little bit about the forward depth of the Colorado Avalanche. Dreamy sounds here. Once upon a time in a land not too far away and not too long ago, the Colorado Avalanche didn't really have depth. This is no offense to the people who played for the Avs in previous years, but the truth of the matter is we've had a top line, but we haven't had a second or a third or a fourth, and now we have all of those things. And even with us losing a good portion of our roster, including the captain and the highest paid player on the team, we're kind of getting our shit together right now. Or at least we were until we started losing some of those character guys, the guys who have been stepping it up, the guys who can go out there and make a ruckus. In particular, I'm talking about Belzy. 
Now, if this was a Dr. Seuss rhyme, I would tell you how Belzy got his bell ring in some poetic words, but I can't even do that because I'm still a little bit offended by this one. The elbow that took out Belzy was absolutely on purpose. I don't think the guy went out there and said, I'm going to put my elbow on a guy, but when he couldn't hit him cleanly, he stuck his elbow out and caught him on the jaw and knocked him out. If this was the UFC, the ultimate fighting championship, he would absolutely be out for a good 90 days to recover from what is undoubtedly a concussion. But again, this is hockey. Sure, there's a concussion protocol, but it's not as good as it should be. And players don't want to be out of the game. They want to have a spot on this roster. And there's a lot of guys coming up right now who could probably take his spot if the Avs wanted to sit him for a while. He's also not getting any younger, and I think he'd rather play the game. So I have a hunch that he's going to be ready to go as soon as they can let him go. But make no doubt about it, he was knocked out. He was out before he hit the ice, and then he hit his head again. And by the way, do you want to know how many games you get suspended for doing something like that? Three. For the Jets, three games is nothing because they're not doing anything of value right now anyways. They have injuries of their own. It's also not going to hurt anyone financially, and I think that it's something the league really needs to look at. If the league is serious about getting plays like this out of the game, they need to step up and make this something a little bit more than three. It should be maybe even double digits. Now, anytime I say something like that that might be based on emotion, I ask myself, what would it be if it was one of our guys? If Z had done it, would he have gotten more than three games? And the answer is absolutely yes. Z would have had at least five, if not more. People will argue that Z has a history, and he absolutely does, of being big. He's made some dumb plays, no doubt about it, but so has everyone else in the league. Z gets knocked for being big and for being mean. But I digress. Let's move on to something more fun. I've only mentioned a couple of the handful of injuries that we have going on right now, but that's all anyone's talking about. I'd rather talk about something a little bit more interesting and a little bit more inspiring. I'm pretty sure that inspiring in every other language in the world is pronounced Makar. Kale Makar is playing a different kind of game right now, a game that nobody on the ice is playing, and that's evident by the amount of room that he has around him. The people falling over themselves to even get close to him, and Makar having his head up seeing the game in slow motion the entire time to just put the puck where it needs to be, in its home, in the back of the net. Now one thing we don't know about Makar yet is, is he streaky? Is he a guy who can do it consistently? But if this guy's going to put up a point a game and often a goal, I think this is something that's really going to change the fabric of this team. We've already made a bet on this by trading Tyson Berry, and I have a hunch that the Avalanche were looking at either Byram or Makar being the real deal. With Makar being so much of the real deal right now, there's a lot of speculation that Byram might be in play for a trade for somebody to come to the Avs who would actually give us a legit chance to win a Stanley Cup now. I for one don't think that we make that trade. I think we hold the fort and we keep amazing guys for as long as we can. But it sure is tempting when you hear names like Taylor Hall out there, who from everything that I've read, isn't exactly happening with his position in life right now. This is the first time in the season that I really see him as the real deal. I wasn't sure at first, sure he was playing good, but Gerard's had a great stretch of five or six games as well, only to cool off and just be an average player. But what I'm seeing from Makar is progression, exponential progression. It's not that he's playing great one night, not so great the next night. He just keeps getting better. He keeps getting more confident. And what I'm really wondering is, what is his normal? What is the average game from him? Because right now, it sure looks a lot like being the best player on the ice, short of Nathan McKinnon and some nights, even with McKinnon on the ice. My one knock on Makar is still that he's not putting enough zip on the passes, in particular to Nathan McKinnon. You have to get that thing there on a wire, especially on the power play. Matt can handle it. He's got some of the fastest hands, fastest feet and he's ready to put that puck in the back of the net. Give him an extra tenth of a second to beat the goalie. And the last thing that I want to talk about is Matt Calvert. 
I talk about Matt Calvert all the time and that's because he is remarkable. He is worth remarking on at this point because he's playing exceptional hockey when we needed him to play exceptional hockey. Usually when you hear somebody talk about a role player, you think they're saying that they're only good at one thing, typically being on the fourth line or being on the power play. But a role player is like a generalist in the real world. He can go out there and coexist with just about anybody, just about any specialty, and make them good. And here exactly is how he's making one of the best players in the entire league good. He's getting into the corners, he's doing hard work, and he's making the players around him better. I see Mac follow him into the corners now to support him. He gets in there, he holds his own against guys who are always bigger than he is, and he gets the puck back out to Mac who can then do amazing things. And he's quicker than you would think with his hands and his mind. He got the puck out of the corner, got it back to Mac who wasn't even expecting it, screened the goalie, and got an assist on the goal that really was what put Winnipeg away. So to wrap this thing up, after losing some of our best players, we didn't play our best hockey, but I can see the point that people are making about chemistry. This is something that doesn't just develop itself, you have to spend time working on it. I see it getting better with Mac and Makar, and I see our team starting to come together as a team while we're missing some of our best players. The only way we're going to know that for sure is to see what happens in our next stretch of games as we start to roll some guys back into the lineup and hope to get back some of our meat and potatoes players like Belzy. There's been a lot of ifs in this podcast and there's a lot of questions yet to be answered, but I can't think of a better time to be an Avs fan. This and every other podcast that we do is brought to you by Avs Fam, ABSFAM.com. Awesome hockey shirts for awesome hockey people. 